Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. Employers in the US, Canada and elsewhere are faced with a very broad range of laws that govern the relationships between employers and employees. The US, for example, is a country that is based on states' rights and on a federal system. And what that means is not only does the federal government have different regulations on employer-employee relationships, but in many cases, different states do too. My guest in this benefits law-focused HR chat episode is Tom M. White, attorney over at Ramon Law. Tom specializes in the full scope of HR management, such as employee benefits and executive compensation, healthcare and employment law. I hope that you enjoy this conversation that I had with Tom. Hey, Tom, it's my pleasure to have you on as a guest on the HR chat pod today. Welcome. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Tom, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you take a minute or two and tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your career background? I am a benefits and compensation lawyer, and I have been doing this virtually since the time ERISA was enacted. Um, My clients traditionally have either been businesses of various types or C-suite individuals, and I cover a broad scope of benefits and compensation matters, and I have a specific focus on employee-employment relationships. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. What's brought you to Ramon Law and how does the model's distinction create a better work-life balance for attorneys in the 2023 world of work? I came to Ramon um, almost 11 years ago after having been at other firms. And the things that I particularly found attractive and remain attractive are the ability to practice with the least amount of bureaucracy and also the ability to collaborate um, with my colleagues at Ramon, um, both in the United States and internationally. We have a significant international practice as well. Some big things happened on, uh, on January 5th, which is not very long ago as we record this episode today. Um, so over at the FTC, they proposed uh, changes which would affect the non-competition agreements in the future. Maybe you can tell our listeners about the significance of that. And also as part of that answer, and take your time on this, please, um, perhaps you could explain how things could change in six to 12 months. Well, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, Traditionally, non-competition agreements have been in the jurisdiction of states and localities, primarily states. And because the United States is a federal system, every state can um, change its laws or incorporate processes um, that are different from every other state. 
So we have a patchwork quilt of non-competition laws around the country, which I'll explain a little bit in, in a short while. The Federal Trade Commission on January 5th came out with a proposed rule which would basically forbid current and future non-competition agreements um, with a very small exception to that um, all across the United States. There is a comment period now, and there um, will be, after the rule, if it is adopted in its present form, um, there will be 180 days from the uh, publication of the final rule until that um, restriction on non-competition agreements goes into effect. This would change the employment landscape. The FTC estimates that there are 30 million U.S. employees with these kinds of arrangements. So, so you can well understand that this would change um, how employers and employees view their relationships. Okay, thank you very much. Wow, 30 million. Could you maybe share what types of employees then typically uh, that, that they are? I mean, 30 million is a lot, okay, but what, what are those uh, key key demographics? I'm guessing, for example, salespeople uh, will often have a non-compete in their contracts when, when they leave. They, perhaps some of them have to go on gardening leave before they can do anything else, right? Bill, it's all over the place. And that's one of the reasons that the FTC wants to get involved in this area, which they have not gotten involved in any substantial way previously. So you will have um, very senior management people who are covered by these arrangements. You'll get white collar employees. You'll get blue collar employees. The FTC published on, on um, January 5th a fact uh, paper in uh, in conjunction with this proposed rule, and they gave two examples of FTC compliance action. And in one of those, um, the FTC is seeking to pre prevent um, a provider of guards, you know, guards to businesses. They're seeking to prevent non-competition agreements with respect to those guards. So that gives you a sense of how broad in scope uh, these agreements are. And just to be clear, may maybe perhaps you've indicated this a little bit so far, but just to be clear for our listeners, why is there a push for a ban on non-compete agreements? You know, why are they detrimental to, to some employees or some businesses? Why are they a bad idea in, in the eyes of, of, of certain legislators? The primary focus is that it depresses individuals' abilities to leave their old job and go to, go to new employers. And that, that means those individuals cannot get enhanced uh, wages or salary or improved working conditions. In addition, it uh, prohibits the free flow of individuals with new ideas. And so you also have um, a detrimental effect on innovation across industries. And there's been some thought that in California, which prohibits almost all of these uh, non-competition -com arrangements, there's a thought that because of that free flow of workers, um, Silicon Valley has been able to, uh, you know, to explode in importance. 
So it's it's those two it's those two factors that advocates for a blanket prohibition or a near blanket prohibition are uh, focusing on. Would this also impact contingent and gig workers as well, then, Tom? Uh, you know, so if a if a gig worker is is working uh, with a new client, say, and the client says, "Well, if we're going to work on this project together, uh, then you can't work with anybody else for X amount of time." Um, would, would those sorts of agreements still remain in place? Are we talking only about the employee relationships, the contracts with employees, or actually, is it the wider gig workforce, which is getting bigger by the day, Tom? Good question. The FTC in this proposed rule says it applies to employees, independent contractors, interns, externs. Um, So it would affect in uh, certain circumstances gig workers as well. So this is really huge news, guys. Okay, listeners, uh, pay attention because uh, the world could be changing around you. Uh, very very soon um tom let's let's continue on through can can you now share some of the complexities associated with developing a plan that pays out monthly benefits over a period of time to a former employee um regardless of whether or not that employee has gone into competition if that becomes a moot point in six months time so with regard to post uh, employment payments to individuals what employers want to do basically is they want to compensate those individuals um, in part for the work that they've done previously. So it's an attraction and retention technique. Um, Now, with regard to the overlap um, with respect to non-competition agreements, something that isn't thought of frequently but can be a, a useful technique and you know, I'll, I'll circle back with the FTC in a second, but what is a useful technique is for an employer to establish a plan subject to ERISA, which is restricted in its scope as far as the individuals, and I can explain this, the individuals who are covered by the program, and it would pay those individuals over a course of time in order to in, encourage them to comply with non-competition arrangements. Okay, so you're basically the, at the employer level, the employer is compensating an individual post-employment for not going into competition with that former employer. And the idea here in establishing one of these plans is that the employer no longer has to worry about dealing with employees and different laws in multiple jurisdictions. And many of the clients that I see have employees spread all around the United States. And so those employees are subject to different employment laws, including different non-competition laws. Um, so, So an employer who sets up one of these plans Um, get certainty of uniformity across the United States, which is significant. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that more and more people are working remotely. So they're moving. Their employer may not know at every moment in time where that individual is, is residing and working. So again, you know, you might, an employer might think that its employee is in jurisdiction one, which is beneficial to the employer, moves to jurisdiction two, 
and then terminates employment and seeks to void the non-competition agreement. By putting in one of these, establishing one of these ERISA-type programs, the employer gets certainty that its program, if it satisfies certain legal requirements, that its program will pass muster around the country until we get certainty as to um, if we're going to get a change due to the FTC proposed rule or not. And just on the, the, that last point there around remote workers, um, how big an issue is that now, Tom, compared to, say, three years ago? Uh, you know, because I think what happened with a lot of folks during the pandemic was they said, hey, you know what? Turns out I don't need to be in the office very much at all. So let's go and get that house in the countryside that we always dreamed of, uh, that kind of scenario. So, you know, from what you've seen from, from the clients that you work with and whatnot, how much bigger is the remote piece today compared to, say, pre-2020? It's a much bigger piece. It's a much bigger piece because people are moving um, because of lower housing costs or they like the environment, both political, economic, social, um, in another place, in a different state from where they're currently living. And, you know, just from a personal standpoint, we have uh, some of my colleagues at Ramon who are licensed in multiple jurisdictions and one of the things that they like about Ramon is that, you know, they can move from one jurisdiction to another and still practice. Um, so, you know, I see I see a big a big uptick in in people moving locations. And I think that there is also among the people who employers should most be concerned about um, as far as non competition and the adverse effects of competition, I think those people in particular are a, uh, a moving demographic much more than the typical U.S. worker. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, very impressive answers so far, and uh, I would imagine that you're a bit of a trendsetter. Um, are, are other law firms, in your view, following the Ramon Law championed model? Well, you know, that's a good question. Are they following the model? There are some that are following the model, um, but for to our benefit, not that many. So it benefits us as far as attracting and retaining talent. Um, but you know, I think it's very difficult when you have traditional law firms that have been very successful over lengthy periods of time. It's very difficult to. Um, get them to move in a different direction. You know, why, why change what works? You know, so I think, I think there's a lot, a lot of that. Um, I do think that the, you know, the work from home model um, has um, freed up um, some of the past practices of traditional law firms, but in um, very significant ways, Ramon, um, is in a very small group of other law firms. Tom, I am sad to tell you that we are already coming towards the end of this particular conversation. So uh, just a couple more questions for you before we do wrap up for today. The, the next one's a bit of a biggie, but I'd, I'd love to get your take on, given what you've said so far, where do you envisage your practice in five, maybe even 10 years time? You know, I, I really don't know. Um, 
my practice changed shortly after I uh, started um, because we had a lot more competition from non-law firms, um, financial firms, insurance companies, folks like that. And we also had a shift in the types of benefits being provided. So I, I really don't know what the, uh, what the near and the midterm is going to hold for my practice um, or, for, you know, or for the practice of law. You just have to be nimble. Okay, sounds like there's need for extra yoga classes in the morning for all of your staff then. Sounds good. Watch this space, listeners. Um, hey, before we do wrap up, finally for today, how can our listeners connect with you, Tom? So maybe that's through uh, LinkedIn. Maybe you want to share your email address, uh, point them to the, the website as well, of course. And, and I'm guessing that would be the place where they can learn more about Ramon too, right? Eh? Correct. Um, they can contact me on, uh, on my email, and that's Thomas dot white at ramon law r i m o n l a w dot com and i would be happy to uh, talk through any of the topics that we've discussed today excellent well that just leaves me to say for today tom thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the hr chat show thank you very much and listeners as always until next time happy working Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.